joining us here today at PCC as we worship together. Uh, our goal here is to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Jesus. And my goal today is to just give you a glimpse into, into what it means to be caught by the power of Jesus. If you have your own Bible, uh, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 33, or you can find one located in the seat in front of you, or as always, it will be on the screen behind me. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Henry Hutchinson, and I'm 18 years old. I actually just graduated from Ewing High School this past Tuesday, and as I said before, I plan on attending Eastern University uh, to study philosophy and theology next year in pursuit of serving God through ministry. Growing up, uh, my mother worked here at PCC, uh, which meant that during the summer, uh, rather than you know, hiring a babysitter, I would come here, you know, presumably under the watchful eyes of God. <laughs> I've spent countless Sundays in these very seats, growing in my relationship with God. I've also spent countless Sundays doing whatever I could to make plans after service, or more than likely, doing whatever I could to avoid making plans after service. One such Sunday, uh, my mother and I, we planned to go to the mall after church. Now, if you know me, you know that the mall is one of my least favorite places to go. Why is that, you may ask? Well, that's where we shop, and I am not a shopper. Well, on this particular Sunday, uh, it had been snowing all morning. And when it snows, the roads get, you know, a little bit slippery, and I guess you can presume that the sidewalks are slippery as well. So when we got to the mall, uh, we walked through the doorway, um, and as I walked in, I, I noticed a woman walking a considerable distance behind me. And I, I decided to do the nice thing uh, by holding the door for her. She noticed the gesture, and she proceeded into that kind of awkward half-walk, half-jog maneuver to make up ground. Now, if you've ever driven when it's icy out, you know that your brakes don't always work too well when you don't have any traction. Well, this woman had traveled fast enough to the point of no return. <laughs> she had run too fast to slow down, and she just continued through the doorway at this pace. The only problem with this decision would be the fact that the linoleum in the doorway had become slick with melted ice. As soon as she took one step in the doorway, her feet shot out from under her, and she fell, hard. After standing there for a moment, shocked at what I had just witnessed, I eventually gained my bearings and decided to lend her a hand. I stuck my hand out to help her regain her upright position, but for some reason, she didn't accept my generous offer. Instead, she felt as though she had enough power to stand up on her own. She figured, well, I got myself into this situation. I can probably get myself out of it, too. The issue with this plan that she hatched up was that the floor was still just as wet as when she had slipped on it. <laughs> she had no traction. And so I stood there, hand outstretched, just watching this woman struggle to stand in the entrance of the mall. Her feet were still kicking out from under her. She was practically ice skating on the floor. And as I was watching, I thought to myself, man, does she look silly. I'm standing right next to her with my hand ready to be grasped. I have the power to help you up, to save you from this, but you want to do it by yourself. You think you have the power to help yourself out of this, but the water is still slippery. 
She couldn't see that I had the power to remove her from the agony of falling. If only she would reach back and grab my hand. How foolish. But aren't we all just fallen shoppers? <laughs> Don't we all ignore God's hand stretched out to save us from pain, fear, doubt, depression, death, whatever it may be? We can't see that God will always reach his hand out to save us. We can't see that when we have fallen, God's power catches us. And he will never allow us to struggle in the mess that we have made if only we would reach out and grab his hand. We know what it means to fall, but we need to learn what it means to be caught by the power of Jesus. We will take a look at this as we read through the story of Jesus and Peter walking on water in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. We will take a look at how Jesus' power is limitless, how Jesus' power calls us, Jesus' power should be the center of our focus, and how Jesus' power catches us. We begin, in verse, we begin in verse 25. It says, Just before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In order to be caught by the power of Jesus, we must first understand that Jesus' power is limitless. Take a look with me back to verse 25. It says, Just before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples, walking on the lake. Now, I'm not exactly a physicist, right? But I do know that Sir Isaac Newton's apple, right, would reject any chance of a human walking on water. You see, when we try to walk on water, our gravitational force is too high for the surface tension of the water to hold us up, which means that we would sink immediately. For some of you, I made perfect sense, but most of you are lost. Well, that whole science lesson can be summed up by the factual statement that the laws of nature are unrelenting, and no one has the power to reverse the defined characteristics of natural physics. No one except the God of the universe. In this verse, we see that Jesus' power is limitless because he overcomes the very nature of the elements. He defies the laws that he created, and he walked on water. Jesus has power over everything. He has power over you and me and everything we own and everything we know. He has the power over it. Jesus Christ has the ultimate power and the ultimate authority. And we must understand that to be caught by the power of Jesus. What is it in your life that you think Jesus cannot control? What part of your life do you think is just, it's, it's just so big that Jesus can't even be brought into the equation? The fact of the matter is that the powers of this world are limited. 
They all have a beginning and an end, and that all depends on what part of your life you allow Jesus into. The second way that we can be caught by the power of Jesus is by knowing that Jesus' power is calling us. Continue with me, starting in verse 26. It says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. You see, Jesus begins by comforting the disciples, informing them that they, in fact, did not just see a ghost, but rather it's their friend, Jesus. But when Jesus identifies himself, it doesn't seem to entirely clear the air with Peter. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, when I reread that, it sounds more and more like Peter knew exactly who he was talking to and exactly what he was doing. Peter knew that it was Jesus, but he asked the Lord to call him nonetheless. In this moment, Peter realizes the magnitude of Jesus' power, and he commits himself to it fully. He asks God to call him out onto the water. And guys, something that we must recognize here is that Jesus responds. We're not in charge of God, right, by any means, trust me. But when we ask Jesus to call us into his light, and we ask him to be used for his glory, he will never hesitate, and he will always call you. Jesus doesn't hesitate when he tells Peter to come. Instead, he lays it all on Peter. The choice is his. Peter can now choose to either answer this call or he can let it ring. Most of us, we have phones, right, I assume. And I'm not too sure how this process goes for the older generations, but for us youngins, right, we don't call people. We text. We text because it's honestly, it's way more convenient. It's more convenient to read what the other person says and then take your time to respond. It's more convenient to be able to ignore a text because you don't want to respond. When someone texts you and says, hey, what are you doing? You don't tell them you're not doing anything because then you may get roped into plans that you don't want to do. <laughs> Instead, we tell them, oh, I'm not too sure what I'm doing yet or I don't know, I may be doing something later. We come up with excuses because it's just more convenient. But when you get a phone call, it's terrifying. Because <laughs> you have no clue what they may need. It's a surprise. You don't want to answer it because it's easier to weasel your way out of plans through text. It's also a lot easier to make decisions through text because you have the in time between responses. But phone calls are instantaneous. You need to think quickly and respond like you actually know what you're talking about. I would say that the worst of all these scenarios, though, is when someone calls you and you know exactly what they're calling for. You know that your friend is moving today and now they're calling you to help. You know that you forgot to take out the trash and now dad's calling. You know exactly why you're being called, which makes the choice to answer a lot more difficult. Mm 
And if we know why we're being called, do we ever actually answer it? I would argue that more often than not, we would choose to just let this call ring out. Because if we know why we're being called, what's the point of even answering it? Every time you get a phone call, you have three choices. The first choice is to ignore it. You can pretend you didn't see the call and that you were busy while you carry on with life as usual. The second choice is to decline the call. You can acknowledge that you're receiving a call and consciously choose to hang it up. And the third of which is to answer it. You can choose to acknowledge the call, consider the possibilities for the reason behind the call, and still choose to answer it. Those same choices reign true when God is calling you. Take, for example, Peter in this passage. Peter can choose to ignore this explicit call from Jesus by simply making an excuse. He, he can say, you know, I would, but I'm just not in the right place for that right now. I, I would, I'm just, I'm waiting for a clearer sign. I, I would, but fill in the blank. We often choose to ignore God's call for our own convenience. We pretend we didn't hear it, and we continue on with our lives as if it never even happened. The next option for Peter would have been to decline the call. He could have said, no thanks, that's just not for me. Or, or no thanks, I just, I don't see how that would benefit your kingdom at all. Or, or no thanks, it's, that's just too dangerous for me. You can come up with any excuse you would like, but it all boils down to not trusting in the limitless power that Jesus wields. But instead, Peter answers the call. Look with me to verse 29. It says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Peter says, Yes, God. And he steps out of the boat and into the water. <laughs> How great is that? How great is it that Peter followed what God said, and they all lived happily ever after, and Peter was a hero? That's not how this works. You see, we all want that moment. We all want that moment of saying, yes, God, I trust in you and you alone, and I will step onto the water and I will follow your commands. But you can't walk on water if you never step out of the boat. We all want our moment in the sun, but we fail to ever recognize the boats standing between us and God. You see, the boat was Peter's comfort. It was his safety. People can't walk on water, and so the boat was literally the only thing keeping him alive. And Jesus calls him out of it. Jesus' power is calling you too. He's calling you to step out of your boat and to step into the light of God's glory. Our boats, they're our securities. They're our comfort zones. These are our retirement plans, our routines, our step-by-step -step plan for how our lives will turn out. And Jesus calls us to abandon the boat and to step into the treacherous waters with him. Take a look at what God is calling you to and step out of your boat because God is more powerful than any boat we can keep for comfort. And as we step away from comfort, 
our focus often becomes a factor. Being caught by the power of Jesus forces us to keep his power as the center of our focus. In verse 30, we see what happens to Peter as he shifts his focus from God. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter answers God's call, and he has his eyes set on the king. But suddenly, he recognizes the power of the wind. Peter has accepted in his heart of hearts that Christ is Lord. And we see that through his decision to step onto the water. And for him to then change his focus seems almost implausible. But in that exact moment, Peter shifts his gaze to the wind. He shifts his focus to the chaos around him and suddenly forgets that Jesus has the authority over the winds. Peter loses faith and he pays. When things start to look up for us and for our relationship with God, that's exactly when the winds always seem to pick up. And the wind will blow, but Jesus will always stand firm. As Peter began to sink, he cried out to Jesus. And he asked for Jesus to save him from drowning. Peter had reached the end of the road. He was drowning in the middle of a storm, out in the middle of a lake. It was dark, it was cold, and it was terrifying. Peter had no hope left. He had been the premier example of a believer to this point, answering Jesus' call and walking onto the water with him. But in one instant, that all changed, and Peter was hopeless. And when we get down, and when we have nowhere else to turn, only then is it that we find Jesus. Only then do we finally realize what is missing from our lives. And oftentimes, it's, it's during these low points that we meet Jesus. It's when our life is hanging in the balance that, that we finally discover the Lord of the universe. And Jesus meets us there. But that forces us to consider what the focus of our life is. And not the, not the overall focus of where our life is headed, but our focus in each and every second. Because Peter only looked away for a brief moment before he began to sink. What is the center of your focus? In my 18 years of life experience, I have found my focus to be on whatever is happening in the moment. I only look to what will affect me in the near future, when really it should be on Jesus. What has your focus shifted to? The last thing to understand, if you want to be caught by the power of Jesus, is that he catches us. It says in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Jesus does not hesitate to pull us from the depths of our innermost hell, and he catches us. He pulls us out of the darkness, and he does not let go. Jesus reaches his hand out, and he waits to pull you from the pits of evil. Jesus wants to save you. He does. But just like I sat there in the vestibule of that mall, hand extended to help, he can't do anything unless you grab his hand too. 
Jesus can stand there all day and say, why did you doubt? You have seen my power. You have seen my glory. You have seen my love. But yet you still doubted. He can stand there all day, all year, a lifetime. And he's just waiting for you to grab his hand. No matter where you are in your faith, whether you know Jesus or not, or if you have committed yourself to him or not, take that next step. Recognize where you are sinking and grab his hand. For those of us who are headed into the next chapter of our lives, entrust yourself fully to God. Give him everything, and he will never fail to catch you. In just a few short moments, there will be members of the prayer team over by the cross ready to pray with you, to pray over you, to pray for you, to pray for a calling, pray for a hand to be grabbed onto. Take that next step. Adjust your focus on the Father and truly seek out what you're being called into. Because answering that call is only half the battle. Let's let Jesus take care of the rest. Let's pray. God, um, I just want to thank you for allowing us to come here to worship you, to spend time in your word. And God, I, I pray for everyone in here um, that as we continue on with our lives, that we will look at you. We will focus on you, God, and we will recognize your limitless power and we will listen for what we are being called into, God. Call us. Reach your hand out and save us, God. Allow us to be caught by the power of Jesus. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.